1: This is The Fan of History, episode 9, where we discuss the 920s B.C. I am Brennan. Along with me is Dan, the Fan of History. Say hello, Dan. Hi, guys. Hey. If everybody remembers, last time on The Fan of History, we talked about money and how people are slowly emerging from the Dark Age. Shawshank was training his army. King Wu was ruling all of China. And we talked about how the Shavin we talked about the Shavin and the poverty point culture. So, Dan, what is happening now in the 920s BC?
3: Well, first we have a recovery of commerce, and I think Shoshenk, the pharaoh of Egypt, is one of the responsible parties for this. But trade is starting to emerge from the dark age. And trade has been gone since the Bronze Age, with a three hundred years of chaos. And um, so it's it's impressive that trade returns. So and one was, of
1: the oh sorry, oh, I, I was going to say, so what were so what were they doing in lieu of trade? Was it all just pillaging at this point?
3: Yeah, and they they were all just trying to survive. Uh, I think Greek is the the worst example where like people couldn't live in the cities anymore, so just people just took to the hills and tried to scrape uh, a living, just mm. trying to endure for three hundred years. Amazing! <laughs> but one of the biggest trading nations and one of the most the, the greatest traders of the ancient world is actually the Assyrians. The Assyrians are they are a warrior nation, but they are all for traders. So they sort of understand trade, they want to encourage trade, they know that the wealth from trade can enable them to finance their armies. So Assyria is always looking to trade as well, and that's often that often gets forgotten when you talk about the Assyrians, as they are so violent. But they are also the second greatest
1: trading nation of the Near East after the Phoenicians. So, Since we think about them, you know, like when I think about them, it's the, you know, like you just said, it's all this war and what's been going on. Were the wars mostly for show since they already had these established trades?
3: At this time when they're trying to renew the yearly campaigns, Mm -hmm. the war... Uh, these yearly campaigns are robber campaigns and their goal is to get as much stuff as possible to threaten to beat people up. And if they don't give you stuff, you actually beat them up and take their stuff. So it's all uh, economy for the Assyrians. But it's also religious duty to do this. Mm. So it's <laughs> complex. <laughs> and we have this king now, we got in the last episode, Asher the II. And some people think that... We have seen the Assyrians now only as this small nation that is besieged by Arameans and they are fighting back and they are surviving. But the Assyrians will go on to do great things. And some people say that the Neo-Assyrian Empire begins with Ashur Dan II. And he actually goes on a couple of campaigns. I'll talk about them next episode. Okay. But Ashur Dan is preparing the Neo-Assyrian Empire. He, he's really making everything better in Assyria. The country has been stabilized by his father, Tiglath-Pileser II, and now he's training the army, he's recruiting Arameans, he's building roads. And remember, the Assyrians have iron weapons, and iron weapons are very rare. This is the beginning of the... But uh, iron is all around the Assyrians, and they are making these impressive arsenals. Whereas a country like Egypt have zero iron, they
1: mm-hmm.
3: the iron is extremely expensive and rare in Egypt, but for the Assyrians, iron is everywhere. And they have become masters of building uh, uh, steel
1: weapons.: How much more effective like, do you, is there any sort of correlation between how much more effective a uh, a, you know, a steel sword is as opposed to like a bronze and the armor and whatnot?
3: Yes, uh, iron is more plentiful than the ingredients of bronze. It's mm-hmm. the tin that is difficult to get for bronze. Right. So, but if you have the tin, it's pretty easy to make a good bronze sword, but it's really hard to make a good iron weapon because you have to make it steel. You have to put carbon in it. Uh, right. And getting the right balance that is taken. That was a secret of the Hittites and one of the bases of their empire, that they could do this. But these Seekers have come down to the Assyrians. They are making really good iron weapons. But if you just gave a lot of iron to the Egyptians, it wouldn't help them because they <laughs> couldn't make the iron weapons.
1: Right. It would take some time to learn that. Because I think it's the carbon that stops it from being brittle.
3: Exactly. So yeah.
1: to make it hard, you need the carbon. You need it
3: in the right amount. And it looks like Asher Dan II, is, he knows what's coming. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> right, this this country is going to be great again. Remember, they've had two empires before. Right. And he's obsessed with the fact that they don't have the Middle Assyrian Empire anymore. They lost it in the 11th century BC. And he wants pretty much somebody else to <laughs> reclaim the Middle Assyrian Empire. He will do some... Some campaigning and try himself, but he's setting the stage for his son, <laughs> which is interesting, but the doomsday clock is five to twelve indeed uh, the nation state that will arise from the work of Ashdan the Second is something the world has never seen before, and it will behave very differently from the
1: empires of the Bronze Age. Wow, so again, more groundwork being laid. <laughs>
3: Yes, yeah. and this is actually all we'll talk about in the next episode because the uh, sort of official foundation date of the Neo-Syrian Empire is 911 BC. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a, a date that is astrologically confirmed. So it's also our first
1: event that is uh, 100% true. <laughs> wow. That's very interesting. But while the
3: Assyrians are building up their army, still, we have somebody who is ready to go to
1: war. And who would that be? That
3: is Shawshank, the pharaoh of Egypt. Shawshank. As and we talked about him last time. <laughs> yeah, he will also go to the first battle we know of since we started this narrative in 1000 BC. In 926 BC, we have the Battle of the Bitter Lakes, that's a great name for a battle. What's <laughs> turns out that the Bitter Lakes are uh-huh. lakes that are part of the Suez Canal today. Uh, it's um, pretty bad lakes. You don't want to drink from them. Yeah, and they, I'm the guessing the they're all,
1: right, are all brackish and kind of gross.
3: And they were used in the Second World War to uh, sort of imprison the French fleet. <laughs> uh, one of the things that happened in the Bitter Lakes. But uh, this area is outside of Egyptian control, but it's really close to Egypt. And there are some Bedouins that are causing trouble for Egypt. They're raiding Egypt. They are probably Arabs, but the term Arab will not be used for another 70 years. And we'll make a lot of fuss when people are actually (laughs) called Arabs in a later episode. But I think these guys are Arab Bedouins. Uh, But they have made small raids, uh, and to counter these small raids, Shoshank brings an enormous army. (laughs) So it's overkill, by far. And there is a scribe called Hori who writes down the tale of the Battle of the Bitter Lakes. So it has come down to us. And I think it was never the plan of Shoshank just to fight these Bedouins. So when, when the Bedouins get a response from the Egyptian state, they are quite overwhelmed when the whole <laughs> Egyptian shows up. They're like, oh, well, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah.
1: Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. We were just coming over to steal some, some sheep, <laughs> maybe some textiles. We didn't want to be slaughtered.
3: <laughs> and they are slaughtered. Uh, so the Egyptians win this battle. And we don't have any details of the fighting itself. But uh, that was never the point of Egypt because now they have a huge
1: army, and it is outside of Egypt. <laughs> and it is right next to Canaan. Canaan. So, let me guess, Shawshank decides to attack Canaan? Yes. And in the
3: New Kingdom, in the Bronze mm-hmm. Age, Canaan was always... Uh, All of the Levant was a contested area between Egypt and the Hittite Empire. So the Egyptians feel very strongly that this is a part of Egypt. And that's very important because if you bring an Egyptian soldier, Egypt never became a great empire. And that's because an Egyptian has to be buried in Egypt to to get to enjoy the afterlife. Right. Right. So, if you, do, if you die on a foreign campaign, you are doomed forever. So, no Egyptian soldier wants to go <laughs> outside of Egypt. But this is Egypt. Shoshenk makes the argument that this is our land. We need to take it back. And right. this uh, even makes the Bible. So, Shoshenk is called Shishak in the Bible. And the Bible makes a lot of... Uh, Fuss about the fact that Shawshank raided Jerusalem, invaded it, and took the Ark of the Covenant.
1: But had, so, he, had he not taken the Ark of the Covenant, we've never had but, Indiana Jones.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's the story from the first Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. They get the date wrong. They say that it happened in 980 BC, but that also shows the... Uncertainty of the dates here that Egyptian dating is really hard, and we could be off by sixty years for Egypt. It, it is not impossible.
1: Why? Why is? Why are the dates so hard? Do they is? Do they, is something within their calendar arbitrary, or do they? Is it just a, they a translation? They date their years by the year of the king. Mm-hmm.
3: So this is year. I should know this. This is year. 19, maybe, of Shoshank. So all they care about is this is year 19 of Shoshank. I gotcha. So then, uh, as uh, the Egyptologists, they don't know how many years somebody ruled. So they have to go with, okay, somebody mentioned year 19 of Shoshank. So he probably ruled for at least 19 years. Mm -hmm. But maybe he ruled 22. Maybe he ruled 25 years. (laughs) So you have to look at every pharaoh. And then there are gaps in the pharaoh lists because they have been trying to erase each other from history. So then you could miss a pharaoh that ruled for 20 years. So you're
1: off. I see.
3: Yes. And then for every pharaoh, there's an uncertainty when he actually died. So Egyptian dates are far less uh, very flexible than right. the
1: Assyrian dates that we will soon get to experience. Sorry, you were saying? Oh, I, I was saying the, the dates seem extremely flexible. <laughs> yes. So.
3: <laughs> and sadly, for this time, the Egyptian dates are among the best.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we have to go with what we know, right?
3: Yeah. And one thing, I, I have made a video about this, but the Old Testament is really an, a very unreliable, unreliable source. And my hypothesis at this time is that the King Omri uh, Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament, who uh, probably becomes the King of Israel in 884 BC, he is actually the first King of Israel. And everything that happens before that are uh, pretty much lies that are inserted by Yahweh worshippers, because Omri did not worship Yahweh. So they make up all this stuff about David and Solomon. And there is... Almost zero archaeological evidence for the Great Kingdom of Solomon and David, because in the Bible it's this kingdom that Shoshenk invades and uh, crushes. But Shoshenk is an Egyptian pharaoh, so he likes to record everything he does, and he has done a great big stone wall or several about this campaign, and he lists 165 places he conquered. And Jerusalem is not among them. <laughs> wow! And he never meant... the kingdom. Huh. So that's um, pretty bad for the reliability of the Old Testament. That uh, we have this golden kingdom, and Shoshenq is like, "Oh, what? <laughs> what?" I didn't notice that. But what happens is that Shoshenq invades. He moves all the way through what is today Israel, up almost into Syria. He conquers 165 cities. He, um, uh, there is a pass near Megiddo. This is in the north of Israel. Okay. And you have, that's where the Canaanites are trying to stop Shoshenk. And there is two passes that are there are two passes that are big, and one pass that is really narrow. So you have to choose one of these three passes to go through. And if you choose the really narrow passage you will uh, be very easy to ambush so when Shoshin comes up to this spot he has to make this choice which way do I go and this is where Egyptian record keeping helps him because another Egyptian pharaoh long long ago faced the exact same problem at the exact same spot and that was Thutmose III I think and he chose the narrow pa- uh, the narrow pass because nobody would expect him to take that pass <laughs> and it worked. So Shawshank does wow. the same thing.
1: So he basically he he risked he risked it all in hopes of a surprise attack.
3: Yes. Wow. And it worked. So Shawshank goes like if it worked for him it's gonna work for me and it does because the <laughs> Canaanites don't remember this.
1: Oh my gosh. Crazy. And
3: he makes inscriptions all over the place. There are inscriptions confirmed from Shoshenk at Al-Hiba and Kamak. There's also a stele in Megiddo with Shoshenk's name on it. Uh, he doesn't attack the Phoenicians. So he comes right up to the Phoenicians and he goes like, Hi guys, uh, what, what do you have for me today that I can buy? <laughs> so they sell him stuff and they Shh. make a statue of him and put it in Byblos because he's so great. And this statue has the uh, the king of Byblos, he notes his name at the bottom.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Of oh, the statue, like, I was here when this happened. <laughs> That's funny. He just signed. <laughs> Basically, like like kids on a new sidewalk, they put their name and then was here and then a date.
3: <laughs> yeah, but they keep the statue of the Egyptian pharaoh there. Like, oh, this great guy came to our city. It was awesome. That's amazing. Uh, there's also, there are probably Israelites in several of these cities, but there is no uh, Israelite state at this time. And we're going to have to wait until 884 BC to, mm. to see a nation state. Gotcha. But okay. when Shoshenk is done, this is all done in a year. It's just
1: blitzkrieg all wow. over the place. <laughs> That's an incredible
3: year. Yeah, and then he <laughs> just goes back with his booty including then perhaps the Ark of the Covenant.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And he goes back to
3: Egypt, and he's done. There is no follow-up.
1: That's it. He just goes, does all that, comes back.
3: Yeah, and the Canaanites and Israelites go, like, what happened?
1: (laughs) Funny. So I'm not sure why
3: he he did this campaign at all, actually. And he returns to Egypt. He campaigns to the south, beating up the Nubians. Remember, they made an incursion into Egypt a couple of Mm -hmm. years ago. And then he builds stuff, telling everybody of his awesome campaign. Of course. If you arrive to Karnak Temple, uh, the first thing you see is uh, a pylon of Shoshank. So he he builds where the the great pharaohs of old built. And then in 924 BC, he dies,
1: probably of uh, natural causes. Really? So... Two in two years he does that a massive campaign, comes back and then just passes away. Yeah, and he spent twenty years preparing for this war. I wonder if it's one of those things, like, you know, a lot of people here when they work their entire life and then they retire, and then in just a couple of years their health is failing and they just kinda they kind of accomplish what they're gonna accomplish and that's it. Yeah, maybe it was a bucket list
3: thing. Though. I have Might to have been, conquer yeah. 165 cities. <laughs> hey, check that off. <laughs> That's but amazing. All, it's kind of sad because this 22nd dynasty that begins with Shoshenk it will never see a pharaoh like him again. He's the greatest pharaoh of the dynasty. Wow. And it rules Egypt for quite some time. And it's also a golden opportunity for Egypt that Egypt does not follow up on. So this was maybe a chance to rebuild the glory of the new kingdom but it doesn't happen and his successor the I different from his uncle Osorkon the elder who was pharaoh of the, last din- the latest dynasty of the 21st the I is a peaceful pharaoh who will rule Egypt for 35 years and uh, this is it's a great time the reign of the I but it's death for Egypt because Egypt is falling behind quickly now because Egypt doesn't need anyone else. As long as you have the Nile, you get these four harvests. Everything is good. Right. But the world outside will not leave Egypt alone forever.
1: <laughs> no, there's the uh, it's too many resources. Of course, they're not yes. going to be left alone.
3: It's the it's a great source of a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there is one more thing about Shoshank. Like all Egyptian pharaohs, people are interested in uh, the tomb. And uh, remember, the tombs of the 21st dynasty were extremely rich, right. much richer than Tutankhamun's. Uh, but w- they have never found Shoshenk's tomb.
1: And he really? is a king
3: of, of the Delta, so things doesn't preserve in the Delta because the Delta is wet. Oh,
1: uh, yeah.
3: But there's been a lot of search for it, and uh, this is why people are searching in Tanis in the Indiana Jones movie, because they're looking in Tanis for the tomb of Shawshank. But uh, and he has a funeral temple, and the cult uh, goes on for a long while. They worship uh, Shawshank there, and as right. a mystery thing, um, his organs were put into canoptic jars. Okay. For his mummification. so one of these jars was donated to the Egyptian Museum in 1891. So this jar came out of Shoshenq's tomb. So we we know that somebody has been in the tomb. So it is probably plundered. Uh, but they could never trace this jar to to anyone.
1: Well, how did they verify that it was actually his? It is has it? his
3: uh, royal sign on it. Yeah. That, uh, this is my liver, Shoshenq. <laughs> Um, in the when he started his reign, he made sure that Egypt would be unified by putting his sons everywhere. But of course, this will break down. Uh, and his son, Yep Fank, I hate that guy. <laughs> the third Prophet Amun. His tomb has been found. Found, right? And we have four other kings of the twenty-second dynasty who will be Shoshenk. So there will be a Shoshenk the second, Shoshenk the third, etc. Because this name will be a, a pillar of the twenty-second dynasty. They will look back to the days of Shoshenk and remember when things were in order and Egypt was actually powerful. Hmm. He'll have a rough time in Egypt.
1: Right. Start setting up again. More setup.
3: Yes, but they are now ruled by Osorkon the First, who becomes the pharaoh then in 924 BC. And he is a great pharaoh. He's peaceful, there's a prosperity. Nice. Everything looks great on the surface.
1: Well, that's um that's always a good sign. A lot of people rule for a long time when everybody's fat and happy. So what's uh what does he lead up to? Like what's when when Asukon What's his driving force? You know, we we saw Shawshank was to conquer all those cities. So now, how is, uh, uh, how is there he? There is very little really?
3: on Oslo Contaforce. We'll talk more about him, but uh, he is mainly just a good, nice king who runs a mm-hmm. uh, long and prosperous reign. So, nice, everything is nice. <laughs> well, great.
1: <laughs> so, I guess that's... Uh, we're going to leave Egypt for a minute, I'm going to leave it in good hands. It seems to be doing quite well. And go back over and talk about King Mu, because King Mu's about to have a, a birthday of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he
3: uh, reaches the venerable age of 105 years. Wow He has ruled Yo China for 50 years.
1: That's, this is That's incredible.
3: Yeah, it's incredible, and maybe it's not even believable. <laughs> Could we it be there will be reliable dates in China very soon? Actually, there will be astrological events confirming dates in the it's incredible.
1: 9th century. Could it be that there is more than one person called King Mu? I don't know. It's, uh,
3: very little is known about this period in China, and it gets worse with the next king. His Gong of Yu. And he is the son of King Mu. Uh, And we don't know a lot about him, sadly. And when we talk about these Egyptians and Assyrians and Babylonians and stuff, we must remember that half of the world's population is probably in China. And China is by far the most powerful nation state in the world. Um, That's easy to forget.
1: Yeah. Yeah, China is is was then and is now an enormous country. Yes, but China will become a lot less powerful in uh, uh, the
3: later years of the Zhou dynasty. But right now, it's still the golden age of the Western Zhou.
1: Excellent. So, what is going on in uh, in Africa? It's been we've well, talked a lot about you know Egypt and the northern part of Africa. What about uh, below that, everything south of the Sahara Desert?
3: I, I When I started doing this, I really like to cover all the world, but there are just areas where we know so much and areas where we know so little. Um, so there is no great civilization in Africa until uh, uh, for 2,000 years, actually, from this point. Mm-hmm. But we have archaeology, and we have genetics. Right. So we know that there there are people called the Khoisan. They are in the Stone Age. They are hunter-gatherers, and they are all over Southern Africa.
1: Hmm.
3: And they they are composed of the San. They are foraging bushmen. And the Khoi, and they will become pastoral. Which uh, they are also known more commonly as the Hottentots, (laughs) which is a word some people might have heard. Uh, But they are about to have a bad day because in in the uh, sort of south of the Sahara, uh, the Bantu migration is starting. And we'll talk more about the Bantu expansion in the next show. But this is probably fueled by uh, agriculture. So I think the Bantu has agriculture. And agriculture supports a much larger population uh, than uh, hunter gath- hunter gatherers could support. Right. So the Bantu people become numerous and they spread out over Africa, pushing back the Khoisan. But there are still Khoisan people in Africa today, uh, notably in the Kalahari Desert. But they are really few compared to the Bantu. Hmm. But even Pretty much, except they have agriculture.
1: Oh, actually, you cut out that last part. What did you say about Except they have what you said just before, except they have agriculture?
3: Uh, the Bantu are also still in the Stone Age, ah. but they do have agriculture. So they're in a later stage of the Stone Age. <laughs> but Africa is really far behind. But it's not as far behind as Madagascar or New Zealand because there are no homo sapiens <laughs> there.
1: Wow. Even still?
3: So they're still in uh, yeah the some geological
1: era. That's incredible. <laughs> because you know, today we think about there's not there's basically no place on this planet that doesn't have some form of human.
3: Yeah, and it's it'll it'll be late before humans come to these places. Uh, and that's all we have for the 920s BC.
1: That's a lot of stuff to go over on the 920s. Yep. Wow. A lot of campaigns and just state of the unions, as it were.
3: Yeah, when we get into the 9th and the 8th century BC, there's a lot more information about things like this. So it's rare that we have a campaign like this for, for the 10th century BC. Uh, if you check out our YouTube, it's YouTube Fan of History. Uh, you'll see that the YouTube show is quite far ahead of this. <laughs> So you yeah. can uh, get sneak peeks on YouTube.
1: <laughs> yeah. So again, yeah, like like Dan said, go to the YouTube. Um, when you're at the YouTube, we'd like you to subscribe, like, share it with your friends, give us a review. Also on iTunes because we are also on iTunes. Want everybody to also know that coming up next week on the Fan of History, we're going to talk about the decade reports and that. We're also going to be um, talking about the... Yeah, hold on. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to cut this part out. Yes. All right. Next time on The Fan of History, we're going to talk about the 910s, the teens, however you want to say it, BC, in this time... It's the Assyrians. It's time for them to strike back and reclaim what was once theirs.
3: This is the most popular YouTube episode i made, and uh, it's it's going to be all about the Assyrians. We're going to talk about the work of Ashton II and what will happen, because the Assyrians want their empire back. And anybody who stands in the way will have a bad time.
1: <laughs> yep, again, Dan and I talked about this off-air, but... Cultures have long memories, and if they want it back, they're gonna have. It's gonna be a driving force. So, also, we have a Patreon. If you enjoy the fan of history, if you would like us to keep doing this, if you would like to contribute in some way, Patreon.com/ FanofHistory. You can search us there, and uh, we have tiers uh, for support one of the more interesting tiers is that we will actually do an entire cast or show based on your request. So Dan, was there anything else you want to talk about the Patreon and what it enables?
3: Sorry.
1: I would say talk about the Patreon and what it enables for us.
3: Yeah. uh, The, uh, we have some patrons already. So the, um, we are, we are promised to continue until 700 BC, uh, but uh, we will continue this narrative to 600 BC if we get some more patrons, and we'll continue to 500 BC if we get even more patrons. <laughs> and then this sort of doing it breaks down because for the 5th century BC, we have so many sources So what we're going to do next is um, the history of Greece for the 5th century B.C., and that includes the Battle of Thermopylae, 300, (laughs) the Marathon, the Peloponnesian War, all of that good stuff. And then there are some very big claims if uh, we really become successful, but you can check
1: that out on Patreon. There it is.
3: We We also have a Facebook page. Yes, Facebook
1: uh, slash fan of history. We have Twitter, which is also the fan of history. There's a website for the show, history.wordpress.com. And if you want to leave comments or ask questions
3: or uh, comment on any YouTube video, because I'd probably check those comments uh, 10 times a day,
1: I think. Yeah, Dan's, Dan's a fan Of YouTube comments. Yes. (laughs) He is always out there and will always uh, talk back with you. So I guess that brings us to the end of this episode. See you in Assyria. Looking forward to it.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.